Hello and welcome. Good to have you with us. You're listening to another nostalgic interview. This is Jack's Throwback Attack. Now, way back in 1997, the Teletubbies exploded onto the scene and became one of the most successful children's programmes of all time, not only here in the UK, but also around the world. And I'm pleased to have with me someone who spent five years running around inside one of those big furry suits in the middle of Teletubby land. She played none other than Lala in the original series of the show. It's Nikki Smedley. Hello. Hello. Hello to you. I was wondering if you're going to do that or not. <laughs> um, so uh, first off, I've got to ask: uh, before Teletubbies, what was your background in? Um, well, I started off with uh, I was a dancer by trade, and I ran my own dance company for sixteen or twenty years. Um, and alongside that, I also sang and I also taught and uh, generally kind of showed off, really. So I had an interest in performing, obviously, but then also in children as well. Uh, so, so kind of a useful background, really, for uh, for your character. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've got to ask, um, how does a job offer like Teletubbies come about? And when it was pitched to you, what was your initial thoughts? Well, I came across the job. I was looking for something else to do because um, I, I was in my 30s and the dancing was getting harder and harder, as it will do. Um, and I was kind of looking for something else. And plus, I was really, really fed up of being poor. So <laughs> that was something I wanted to change. And I was just kind of looking in the trades and uh, checking ads and everything. And this advertisement said something along the lines of um, artists with stamina required for new children's television program. And the, the, but the, the clincher was the sentence that was something like um, people with unusual characters or backgrounds, especially welcome. So I thought, well, that's nice. They're sort of like specifically asking for the more eccentric end of the, <laughs> of the spectrum. <laughs> and that suits me down to the ground. So that's how that's how I came across it. And it certainly was an eccentric TV show. Yes. But in a way, I mean, uh, I suppose it came across that way because there hadn't been anything like it before. But, you know, it was a very carefully devised and thought out um, product for very young children. Indeed it was. And of, of course, like you say, there, there was nothing like it on kids' telly before. It was certainly different. It was also popular and controversial in equal measure. And I wondered, uh, how did you feel when, when the show began, the complaints about that it would dumb down kids because of the baby talk in the show? Well, that was infuriating, to be honest, more than anything else. Because, uh, I mean, the show was devised and written in the main by somebody whose speciality was um, the science of child communication. So, you know, we knew exactly what we were doing. And, of course, since, the, we have been vilified. I mean, you know, we've been kind of uh, proven to be right. So um, it was annoying. And I'll tell you what, the, the thing that stuck, sticks in my mind now is there was an art, plenty of articles, as you say, slagging us off and saying we were, we were detrimental to the education of children. And even though we knew in our hearts and souls that that wasn't true, it was annoying. It was an article by Kathleen Moran who actually turned it round and said, no, these people know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> so hats off to her yeah. for, uh, for you know, flying the flag for Teletubbies. Yeah. 
Yeah, it certainly was very different. And I was pretty much the, the, the target age range when it started. In, it, was in, it was 1997, wasn't it? That was the first broadcast year, yeah. Yeah, I was three in 1997, oh. so uh, <laughs> I, was, I was prime uh, target you audience. Were, yes. <laughs> um, so I've got to ask, because everyone asks this, I'm sure, where was Teletubby Land? Over the hills and far away, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, about eight miles south of Stratford-on-Avon, also known as over the hills and far away. Yeah, because um, I have actually seen where it was filmed. Um, obviously, it's long gone. But uh, since then, all that remains of the set is a large pond where the dome was. That was part of the, um, that was part of the planning agreement, was that it would be put back to nature afterwards. So we knew right from the beginning that that was what was going to happen. And was it true that while the show was being filmed, uh, you had to have lots of security on set because people would constantly try and trespass and, and look what was going on? To the major extent, no, that isn't true. You know, occasionally somebody would wander up, but normal people, no, they didn't do that at all. It was only when the press, when you know, when we had all the press and the silly season in our first year, and they, yes, they were desperate to kind of find out who we were and dig some dirt and that kind of thing. So that they were the ones. But after that, you know, no, not really. I don't think it was ever a very major problem. So the other thing I wanted to ask as well, which I've always wondered, um, the, in, the, very, the inside of the Teletubby Dome, was that actually inside the dome or was it a separate set? It was inside the dome. Oh, really? Yes, we did live. In Teletubby Land. <laughs> That's incredible. So I thought, I thought, oh, it'd be too small for all the equipment. Like it must have been in a studio that part of it, but no. No. No, uh, all actual. That's uh, that's pretty incredible. That's uh, I, I I wasn't expecting that answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, I have seen pictures uh, online as well of, of the four of you in your suits, but with the heads off, mm-hmm. and uh, one very surreal to look at because you never ever picture the people inside. But um, those costumes look incredibly heavy and thick. How physically demanding was it to be in those suits? Uh, well, speaking as somebody who'd been a, a dancer for many years, which is, you know, that's no slim pickings in terms of energy and effort. Um, no, easily the hardest thing that I've ever done. It was absolutely exhausting. Um, yes, really, really. They are huge, hot, heavy, thick. Yeah, those things. Um, so yes, it was very, very physically demanding indeed. It looks it. I don't think many of us could do that. I, I, I imagine used to, it's, used to uh... describe it as imagine like strapping um, several sacks of coal to yourself and swathing yourself in blankets, including around your head, and then going into a sauna and jumping up and down for 11 hours looking really happy about it. That was pretty much our job. <laughs> wow. I, uh, I hope it was rewarding in the long run. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, and every time you sort of, uh, you were exhausted or you got a bit too tired or you're having just a bad day, all you had to do really was just to remember that the upshot of this was a child looking at the t- yourself, perhaps, looking at the television <laughs> and wanting to see, you know, their friend and share some love with that. So, you know, you can't shortchange those children. So... And keeping that in mind was absolutely the motivation for keeping going. Certainly. And uh, hats off to you for doing that and, uh, you know, entertaining an entire generation of children. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so how long did it actually take to film a series of the show? Well, that's kind of an... Uh, that was a bit of a movable feast. 
because it would, de- you know, it would depend on weather, it would depend on the script. But we filmed generally from sometime in March to kind of early October. And, you know, if the weather was terrible, it might go on a bit longer than that. Or if the weather was brilliant, it might be a little bit shorter. But basically, it was kind of the long British summertime. Because, the, you know, the rest of because we were outside, because we really were over the hills and far away, it was, you couldn't do it through the winter, partly because of the cold, and also you just didn't get the levels, you know, levels of light and hours of light. So you were in those suits on some of the hottest days of the year. Yes. Um, the other thing as well, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, um, what actually went into Tubby Custard? Was that actually a foodstuff or was it just on something for display that wasn't actually edible? I've always wondered. Mm-hmm. Um, Tubby Custard. Tubby Custard was really really vile um <laughs> it was a food stuff and you could eat it without dying but um after it had sat in the um in the tubes of the custard machine for a while or in the bowls for a while and it would start to kind of congeal and really stink oh no so yeah you wouldn't really want to eat we didn't eat it but you know you could if you wanted to. Oh, fair enough. I wasn't sure. So mm. it's good to find that out. Um, did you have any particular favourite parts of the show? Do you mean uh, the experience of filming it or do you mean any favourite parts that were broadcast? Um, the, the parts that were broadcast. Right, OK. Um, any favourite parts? Uh, the sheep in the Bo Peep section always cracked me up. So we are we are the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> But I always thought they were very funny. Um, and there were certain sketches that I liked for their incredible simplicity. Um, and other sketches, I like, for example, the wall, where me and Poe just basically kind of try to find each other, but you're always on the other side of the wall. So it's just variations of behind you walking around. <laughs> so, so I thought that was very clever. Um, and then some of the things that were just really incredibly out there, like when the cloud gets stuck in the in the custard machine and then the dome gets filled with a pink custardy cloud and Nunu has to come and tidy up, obviously, and then suit sends it outside into the... But, you know, not effects. Well, <laughs> just like actually <laughs> loads of stuff. <laughs> and um, I like the toast machine breaking. Things breaking I like a lot, yes. Toast machine <laughs> breaking where we just had bits of toast thrown at us for days on end. Some good hilarious. fun. And you were getting paid to do that, so... Yeah, you just better. sit there while people, well, the entire crew throws toast at you, uh, thinking, this is my job. How did that happen? Amazing <laughs> stuff. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, the, the, the thing I always remember is, like, the magic events that used to happen, like the um, the, the lion and the bear and... Yes, well, uh, I'd say the Bo Peep was one of those, if yeah. I really liked, yes. There was also, it wasn't the one with... Um, a dancing bear. It was like animated. I seem it was to a dancing bear. I wasn't particularly fond of that one. I liked the three ships. I thought that oh, was yes, beautiful yes, when the chubby land yeah. filled with water and the three ships came in. That was really well, lovely. It- in preparation for this interview, I actually did go and watch some of these back on YouTube. Mm. And, and if you ever read the comments, they're all the same. This terrified me, especially the lion <laughs> and the bear. The lion and bear terrified. Uh, yeah, a yeah, lot of people. Yeah. I, I, I can see why, I suppose. But it didn't bother me. <laughs> Um, And what I was going to say something else. Oh, yeah, and also in those magic events, there was the crazy little Scots guy who lived in the house. Yes. The number four, because they were all numbers. It's like, you know, one bear and two, I can't remember what two was. Oh, the the animals in pairs walking through. Yes. And three three ships sailing by, and then the little Scots guy in the windows for four. 
And five, I think, was Birds in a Tree. Um, yeah, I think so. I'm trying to remember myself now. Yeah. Those were, those were definitely interesting. Um, so the show, ended, the show ended in 2001. And when that happened, were you sad or were you happy not to have to put that suit on again? Well, um, by the time we finished filming, and we'd made 365 episodes of Teletubbies and I think 52 episodes of Teletubbies everywhere, or I don't know, however many we did of those, and, you know, you sort of think, yes, it's really sad because it was brilliant doing it. But on the other hand, there's only so many times as a grown woman you can get excited about custard. And it kind of was time to go and do something else. So, um, yeah, it was good. But by then, of course, I'd been completely seduced by the, the world of making meaningful communication with and for children, uh, which is still my passion and a lot of my work. So I continued working for Ragdoll on other programmes afterwards to learn more from the geniuses that made Teletubbies in the first place. I do think actually Ragdoll was one of the best companies that made kids' TV, and I think they're a bit underrated, yes. personally. Yes. Um, so do you miss doing Teletubbies, or like you say, you, you're kind of in a position where like I've done that now and, yeah. you know... I mean, I think like any person that with a, a really good bit of life in the past, you, you forget, you know, I concentrate rather, oh, yeah, there were such great days and we had so much fun and it was lovely and you kind of forget a little bit the sensation of, <laughs> <laughs> of the pain and, the, and yeah. the tiredness and constantly being wet in your own sweat. Mm. But, um, yeah, you know, I miss it in the same way that you miss anything good of the past where I don't necessarily want it to come back. Be nice to see everybody, those of us that are still around. <laughs> yeah. And we do kind of threaten to have a little bit of a reunion now and again, but that hasn't come to pass so far. Yeah, like you said, it was a, a huge shame when the news broke earlier this year about um, um, Simon. Yeah, Simon passing so away. So devastating. I still haven't really got my head around that at all. I still can't believe that's actually a, a true thing. Yeah, I still have shame. dreams where he's got just, it was just a joke. And he's still there. No, that's just such an awful, awful tragedy. Yeah, definitely was very sad. But um, moving on, uh, going back to um, Teletubbies, um, you went to New York, didn't you, at one point, as the Teletubbies? Given the keys to New York, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Wow. On um, what the mayor of New York declared as um, Teletubby Day. Yeah, that was a good that, trip. That was pretty cool. Mm. Um, the other thing as well I recall you doing, a couple of years ago, you went on the big fat quiz with um, John Simmitt. John, yeah. 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 <laughs> that was fun. That periodically kind of happens, you know, some here or in your, or around Europe. I think the last bit of telly I did was for a German company. And quite often it's a sort of, where are they now? Or whatever happened to? Or guess who this person was? Those kinds of slots, which is kind of always fun to go and do. Yeah, it looked like it was it was good fun. Um, so you mentioned you carried on working in Ragdoll. Uh, I believe you worked on Boo Bar after that. I did. What I was did. your I worked, uh, role yeah, in that? I was right there in the heart of Boo Bar, um, producing and directing, choreographing. Yeah. I've got to admit, though, by the time Boo Bar started, I was a, a bit too old for uh, preschool television. And I'll admit, I'm one of the people who thought, this is surreal, I don't get it. Yeah. Could you explain what it was all about? Because it was, I'd say it was more out there than the Teletubbies, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, actually, the countries where that really, really took off. For example, it was massive in India, 
and it went to China. I think it might have been the first, I might be wrong here, but it might have been the first English TV show to go to China. Um, basically, it was a physical program. So it was for physical, it was, it was to get kids up off the couch and dancing without having the horrible patronizing, come on, children, let's do blah, 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 adult instruction. So the, the booboo were like these little fizzing balls of energy um, that moved all the time. And it worked, you know, children did. We, had, we tested it. It was true all around the world. So it was just that the movement was so infectious. And, was so, and that was aimed at four-year-olds. So we did a lot of study about what movements four-year-olds enjoyed doing and what they found just absolutely so inspiring that they couldn't stop themselves from joining in. And then in the middle, there were the story sections, and they were more like puzzles for the child to work out. So there would be a kind of a problem, and the child would have the opportunity and the time, which is crucial to all of Ragdoll's work, that there isn't instruction and the child has time to work it out for themselves. And then they're validated. Then the solution comes. They go, I knew that was what it was going to be. You know, it's like going back to Teletubbies. There's a chair. And Lala comes in, what's that? Well, obviously it's a chair. And the child at home is going, it's a chair. For God's sake, it's a chair. (laughs) What is it? You know, so always allowing the child to know more than the character on screen is a kind of um, a ragdoll staple, really. And it's so good because that's empowering for the child, and it's really key for them to be able to have faith in their own ability to learn. Well, thank you for that explanation. I've got more of a better idea now because I was watching it. I was about 10 or 11 when that started. I'm thinking, what is this? I don't understand it. I was too old for it. So Yeah. yeah. Um, so after Boobar, did you do any more kids' TV work? or? Um, I worked... I did the choreography for In the Night Garden and some of the training of the cast for that. Um, And then, of course, with the reboot of Teletubbies, I was involved with the casting and training and helping the producers get the original flavour of that. I was actually going to ask you what you thought of the uh, the new version of Teletubbies. Um, I think it's really beautiful. I think they did a really... uh, I think they did a good a job as they possibly could really i think the main failing is that it's a much shorter time slot than we had and i think as i said that allowing the child to have time is really crucial and when you take that away you lose really a lot so i find i find the new version a bit hectic <laughs> <laughs> um and, and and it doesn't leave enough chi- uh, enough room for the child Oh, that's a shame. And it's yeah. not filmed on an outdoor set either anymore, is it? No. 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 That's a bit of a shame. No. So poor them. But <laughs> they then again, they don't have to... They don't have far away with real rabbits. Well, they died real rabbits for a bit, but no, they're all in the green screen. God bless them. But on the plus side, they've got air conditioning. Yes, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so in recent years, uh, what, have you, what have you been up to? Um, what have I been up to? After I left Ragdoll, I was making writing stories for children, and I still work as a children's storyteller, performing my own material. I made a theatre show for kids, and um, I went into education as well, not as a full-time teacher, but as a kind of creative consultant in education. So I still do that, and I still write. I just had a book come out last month, in fact, called Create, Perform, Teach, which is a guide to using creative and performance techniques in an early years setting. Um, so that's kind of what I'm up to. Oh, oh I'm stuff. going to Estonia next month to do some teacher training. So that'll be nice. 
keeping busy then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if anyone wants to find out more about what you're up to, what you're doing, do you have a website and social media people can follow? Yes, I do. Um, my storytelling is at um, thestoryteller.me.uk. And all most of my other stuff is under How to Speak Child, and that's howtospeakchild.com. I, have a sat- I put out a new blog every Saturday, and there's also a Facebook ch- page for anybody who is interested in communication with, for, and by children and young people, not necessarily just early years, but the whole range, um, then yes, I would ask them to please join our Facebook page, and also we're on Twitter as at How to Speak Child. Fantastic stuff. Well, one thing I've got to ask before I go, can you still do Lala's voice? Of course I need to do Lala's voice. It's silly, silly, interview man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Nikki, it's been a joy to speak with you and thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to have a chat with me. That's OK, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. See you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye.